Hello, my name is Anne DeSantis. I'm the director for the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. I want to tell you what's been going on with us since we've been in existence in 2015. The Mercedarian Friars came together and decided that they wanted to start a foundation to make outreach to families in crisis. And that's exactly what they did when the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation came into existence as a nonprofit, 501c3, headquartered in Philadelphia. Since that time, I became the director in the beginning of 2018, and we basically have four facets to what we do. We offer prayer, priestly consultations, podcasts and videos, and also programs and events. Now, if you've never been to our website, just to, in to invite you to go to nonatis.org and check out all the great things that we've been doing. Because since that time, since we've been in existence, we've now helped hundreds of families who are going through really challenging times. And as you all know, we went through a really challenging time in 2020. So I'd just like to invite you to go and check out the great things that we're doing. And there's more to come. If you or your church community would like us to come and do some type of an event where we can talk about what we offer in terms of that pastoral accompaniment and making outreach to families in crisis, please do reach out to us. And I'm just so grateful to be able to serve, be able to serve people like you and your families. So again, learn about us at nonatis.org. Thank you. Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry present Journeys in Faith. Now, here's Andy Santis. Hi, welcome to Journeys in Faith here on this Friday evening. This is Andy Santis with you. I want to wish you a happy New Year's Eve because we're coming to you on December 31st, 2021. So I have an amazing guest for all of you this evening. I have Gina Christian. She is the senior content producer at Catholic Philly. And as many of you know, I'm a Philadelphian. So it's a real honor for me to have Gina, who has become a friend too. Gina, welcome to Journeys in Faith. Oh, thanks so much, Anne. I always love spending time with you and talking with you. It's great stuff. Yes, it is great stuff. And you have an amazing faith journey. Now, you were also a guest on my podcast with Bill Snyder on the Sewing Hope podcast. And for those who are watching this show, maybe for the first time, uh, definitely go on to Patchwork Heart Ministry on YouTube and, you know, subscribe and, and also listen to the other podcasts. You always learn so much about people when you bring them back for different shows and podcasts. So uh, why don't we start out with your faith journey, Gina? I know there's so much to share there. So whatever you'd like to share with, you know, you're devoted to your faith. And, uh, and I know that being Catholic and, and being an active member of ministry also means so much to you. So whatever you'd like to share. Oh, thanks. Well, it has been a journey. <laughs> That's the best word for it. Mm -hmm. um, I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school. Um, you know, I didn't go to a Catholic college, but I, you know, in college started to really kind of confront some very serious family problems I had growing up. And I did um, share this in a number of um, 
columns that I've written for uh, Catholic Philly and Catholic News Service, I'm a survivor of, of childhood sexual abuse. So while I had a very strong grounding in my faith, despite those family problems, um, when I became an adult, like many adult survivors of abuse, you know, there came a reckoning when I had to start dealing with it. And in my case, it led to actually a walking away from the church and an anger at God. Um, and though I did not know it, and it took many years for me to see it, God never left me. Um, and I have since said to sexual abuse survivors or survivors of any kind of a tragedy, never, never, never let go of the hand of God because it is God's hand that will bring you through. And that is a lived experience for me. Um, I also have an ecumenical dimension to my journey because one side of my family was actually Episcopalian. So for a time, and I think this was as a way of probably trying to maintain my faith, but distance myself from my family as I was becoming more, you know, in a sense estranged from them as I tried to work through this abuse, I became an Episcopalian for a number of years. Um, and then, and I always say that it is the Eucharist that brought me back to the church um, because only in the Catholic church do we have the blessed sacrament, the fullness of Christ, his body, his blood, his soul, his divinity in the Eucharist. And that is central to my life. Um, through the work of good counselors, a lot of prayer, a lot of time spent just in the presence of Christ in adoration, through mass, through the rosary, through scripture, through good, good people that the Lord worked through, through books. I stand where I am today, you know, able to serve his church, to be thankful in a strange way for the pain that I've lived through, because I hope that it has opened my heart more to the pain of other people and that in some way I can help them journey to the Lord. Through, through my experience. And I'm blessed to be able to use the gift that he gave me of writing and communication for the glory of his kingdom and to, and to spread the good news. So well said. I want to thank you for sharing that because although I know you've shared your story before, not just with me, but with other people, um, it really means so much to all of us when you can share your journey and what you've learned and the pain that you survived. And, and I, I also would like to offer my apologies for what you went through. Um, but I know that God has worked so much in your life and brought a lot of healing because you can also really understand people who have gone through that type of trauma and pain. So again, just thank you so much for opening your heart to all of us watching. And the work that you're doing at Catholic Philly, I mean, it's just great. I, I, I love Catholic Philly myself. It's catholicphilly.com for our audience who are not from the Philadelphia area. It's basically... Uh, like our Philadelphia Catholic media, that the, the main media that comes through from our Archdiocese of Philadelphia. So tell us more then about what you do. You did, you know, describe a little bit about your love of writing and, and how you really get to use that, that creativity and your talent to help to evangelize our whole entire community and beyond. Well, and that is what we try to do. A lot of, you know, um, in the United States, diocesan newspapers have a long history. And in fact, the Second Vatican Council called for the creation of diocesan newspapers in its document, Intermerifica, which means among the wonders, it talked about embracing the forms of social communication, just like what you're doing with this video and audio um, component here. I mean, podcasts, videos, all forms of communication, radio, television, cable, films. It is all in the service of the glory of God. And again, this was something the Second Vatican Council addressed directly. So although diocesan newspapers in the United States had preceded that, um, Catholic Philly is the successor, the digital online successor of something called the Catholic Standard and Times, 
um, which about 10 years ago, uh, due to a shift in both the Catholic readership, the population, diocesan finances, and just a whole lot of other vectors, had to go offline, had to shut down production. But our editor, Matt Gambino, who really had the foresight to see that communications for dioceses were really going to move online more, had already established a web presence, and so that's what we are. We're a partner with Catholic News Service, which is the U.S. Bishop's official media agency. They are based in Washington, D.C., and have writers throughout the country and a bureau in Rome, so all the wonderful work that comes out of Rome, Cindy Wooden, Juno Arache Estevez, and all these wonderful writers throughout the world, help tell the Catholic story as it's lived, um, whether it's at the papal level, whether it's at the parish level, and that's what we try to do. For our part, we try to share the story of faith in Philly, the Catholic faith as it's lived out in Philly. Um, so if it's Catholic news, we try to be on top of it. Um, and really, if you look at where media is today, that's not news you're going to get elsewhere. You know, a lot of, it's not that mainstream media does not cover the Catholic faith, but you won't find it in most cases covering it at the level that people experience it. If it's something big the Pope says or something big the bishops say, yes, of course, you know, there are a number of wonderful writers out there who do cover religion, you know, for the Associated Press, for Reuters, for all the different um, news agencies we've come to rely on throughout the years. But it's your Catholic, your diocesan newspapers that are going to tell you how that gets lived out. You know, you, you, people that you would never otherwise know about in the ministry and the work that they're doing. The other thing that our work, I hope, does, we are, you know, committed to being truthful and faithful and informed. And if it's bad news, we'll share it, you know, and we have shared it. But if it's good news, we also share it. And that's not something you're seeing a lot in the world today. You know, a lot of the good news is getting shunted aside. Um, and it's all bad news and all bad news. And what's happening is people are taking a step back and saying, I don't even want to read the news anymore. I don't want to hear the news anymore because it's just too much. We're here to remind you that, yes, there are serious problems in the world, but God is still working. And we're going to show you how. <laughs> yeah, God is still working. You will show us how. And it, it is the Catholic story. Um, and I believe for the whole greater Philadelphia area, but I'm sure that you get readership from even outside of that, because as you said, there's a lot of really good world news, national news on there that you're not going to get anyplace else. So I would just uh, ask the people, our audience here, to please do go to catholicphilly.com, check it out, learn more, because, you know, Gina and her team are doing really amazing work, especially for us, people of faith, you know, people who care about what's going on in the world in terms of our Catholic identity. Yeah, so, and, you know, yes. Cardinal Foley, who, you know, was the media guru, if you will, of the Catholic Church mm -hmm. in, the, in the 20th century. Some of you may remember him if you're old enough as I the do. voice of Midnight Mass at Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the Catholic Church owes a great debt to him. He was visionary. Um, and he saw early on that social communications, you know, um, were, uh, you know, needed to be employed for the work of the gospel. Um, he really articulated what is a great mission for Catholic media, and that is form, inform, and inspire. And one of the nice things about going to a diocesan paper like catholicphilly.com is that many times, through no fault of the, you know, I'm not trying to um, disparage, uh, you know, mainstream media writers, but they often don't have the, the kind of in-depth knowledge, you know, to present the, the, the faith, its traditions, the sacraments, the language. I mean, I think the worst example was this is terrible, but one time, I believe this was in, I'm not even going to name the paper, but it was, a, it was a national newspaper, and they referred to the bishop's crozier, right, the crook, as the crow's ear. So, <laughs> oh boy. Some 
sometimes you get some gaffes or you get people that don't quite understand. Um, you know, you really kind of have to be inside. And that's true for any faith. You know, I would expect that, you know, a, a Jewish publication or an Islamic or a Hindu publication or another faith publication, if it's written by people who are versed in the tradition and the faith, they're probably going to tell a fuller story. So, you know, it, it gives you much more nuance and understanding. And that's what we try to do. Yeah, you're giving us great background and thanks for bringing up Cardinal Foley because I do have fond memories of listening to him, as you said, uh, with the papal masses and everything. And just, I actually got to meet him once or twice before. So that was a real honor too. Jealous. I'm yeah. jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have to take a short break. So everyone just join us again in just a couple minutes. We'll be right back here on Journeys in Faith. Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278. Welcome back to Journeys in Faith. Thank you so much for joining us here with Gina Christian. She's the senior content producer at catholicphilly.com. And I thought, Gina, maybe for this half of the show, we could talk about like kind of a recap of this last year. You know, so much has gone on since the pandemic began. And I'm sure there's some things that you'd like to share with us. Sure. And it's funny that you say that because with the pandemic, I think we're all kind of like Rip Van Winkle. We're saying, was that a year ago? Was that two years ago? We lost our sense of time in the pandemic. At least I did. So, um, but I, I think if I had to look back on this past year, as we above all return to the in-person celebration of mass here in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, that was profound and that was huge. And in fact, our Archbishop Nelson Perez launched a campaign, nothing compares to being there. So I think this year ended on a wonderful note and, and we were blessed to be able to go back to the in-person celebration of mass. And as the Archbishop on CatholicPhilly.com, he has a, a vlog. Um, we also feature a lot of multimedia content on CatholicPhilly.com, including the Archbishop's videos, including our podcast. But as the Archbishop said, you know, nothing compares to being there. You can't receive the Eucharist through a screen, you know, and, and it's, that encounter with Christ in the Blessed Sacrament and with each other as a community of faith that is so, so important. So I think that, you know, for this past year, what we've really been trying to convey is that message of, you know, it's time to come back. Of course, due respect for protocols and precautions and, you know, all of that. But as we learn to kind of live with COVID, you know, our faith doesn't have to be quarantined anymore. So it's time to kind of bring that back and resume that. And, and I think we've all seen the mental health toll. I recently did an article, the Surgeon General released a report on, you know, mental health and youth. And we really are seeing a crisis there. Um, 
teen suicides are up, just a lot of mental health issues the pandemic has certainly exacerbated. The, the, these preceded the pandemic, but they really accelerated during the pandemic. And I think for many reasons, it's time for us to re-embrace our faith. And certainly, you know, that crisis included shows that we need each other. We're social creatures. We're hardwired for this. So that was my biggest takeaway, I think, from, from this past year. That and the fact that there's just so much good stuff out there. I can't keep up with you people. <laughs> there's so many good stories out there. And just people doing wonderful work, whether they're starting ministries or writing books or just helping out, you know, um, it's really incredible. We, we had a chance to recap some of the traditions uh, that various, you know, Catholics have, a lot of cultural traditions around the holidays. And, you know, I found out that, unbeknownst to me, Ukrainian Catholics and, and other Slavic Catholics put spiders on their Christmas tree, ornamental spiders. <laughs> I <laughs> never knew. Yeah, it harked. And I was like, spiders? What are you kidding me? You know, it was, <laughs> was brought to my wow. attention. But what it is, and the, the stories on CatholicPhilly.com is that it harkens back to a beautiful folktale about a spider and a poor woman and how they both without knowing it in their selflessness benefit each other. And I'll leave you to go look up the story online. Mm, I will. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's that richness, that diversity of, of how we live our faith out um, that, you know, that I just think, you know, shows that there's more good news out there than bad in many respects. You know, we have hope. We're a people of hope. So. Yeah, we are people of hope. And thanks for sharing on that. Cause yeah, I mean, with the pandemic, of course, there have been, quite a few negatives. And I think at the top of that list are, as you said, some of those people really suffered, whether it be physically, emotionally, psychologically, financially, of course, um, all kinds of things. But what you mentioned also about the suicide rates and things, there are things that we all need to pray about as we move forward, uh, hopefully away from this pandemic and, a, and, and more into a state of wellness all over the place, right? Instead of uh, the, the, this uh, virus that's still spreading, unfortunately. Right. So uh, I just thank you so much for bringing that to our attention, just to know it and also to pray about it, which is so important. And I think one of the big things that's come out of the pandemic, as you said, is the good things that people are doing, especially things like all the online work, you know, it kept on going, right? Even though we weren't able to meet in person, uh, as much as those Zoom meetings kind of got on some people's nerves, there were some good that came out of it. It was a way that we all stayed connected and certainly taught us all a little bit more about technology, right? For those who had never done that before. I, I wish I could tell you that I'm a Zoom expert, but other than like clicking into a meeting, I still can't put a meeting together. So, <laughs> I'm just putting that out. It's full disclosure, people. So, you know. No, it was a learning process right. for me too. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I mean, you're absolutely correct in that, you know, as Catholics, as believers, we do not separate our faith from our daily challenges. And COVID was, in his mysterious providence, it was permitted by God, you know, for a reason and for a season, he has brought good out of it. He accompanied us at every, and continues to accompany us at every step in our suffering. You know, we're not going to have the, the, all the answers this side of, you know, eternity. But we do know, as you said, that his word continued, the work continued, our faith continued. And, and it will continue no matter what. He never leaves us. So, um, you know, we, in some ways, we were drawn closer to each other, or we had chances to learn things we couldn't. To me, one of the most remarkable things was that, you know, a nightly rosary started almost instantly, thanks to Megan Copley at the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and the Office for the New Evangelization. She put together a rosary without missing a beat or a bead, and, and it's continued strong. So that devotion's come back strong for that reason. Oh, it's beautiful. My family and I, we 
you know, partake in it. And it was wonderful. And, uh, and we're just so glad that we were able to do it and, you know, be with all those other Philadelphia area Catholics online and praying right. the rosary together was just wonderful. And, and, it, and I think, I believe that it's still continuing. I believe it I, is. I'm not sure exactly how many days a week, but I know that they, I believe that they still do that. So I want to make a shout out and say thank you to our archdiocese and to all of our clergy and people who work there at the archdiocese, including yourself and everybody else that just did an amazing job. I really think that looking back, you're all heroes, really, and, and <laughs> you really are, and, and I thank you. Now, as we're coming to a close pretty soon, not right away, um, I wondered if you could talk about 2022 and beyond and what we might be able to see happening within our archdiocese and beyond. Well, I have no crystal ball. If I yeah, did, yeah. then I would have a better control <laughs> over my pet's behavior. But um, <laughs> I think two things that struck me um, for this coming year, uh, and they both are words and initiatives of Pope Francis. And the first is his Christmas blessing, which he gave Christmas Day. And I'm going to mispronounce the Latin as I always do, but it's the urbi et urbe, to the city and to the world, you know, blessing that he gives, uh, the Pope gives on Christmas. And this year, something really struck me about, and I want to see if I can even be so uh, creative as to pull this up on screen, but he mentioned that, you know, we are in danger of, you know, really, there is a growing tendency to withdraw, as he pushed, put it in his message. Our capacity for social relationships is sorely tried, and we're tempted to withdraw, to do it all by ourselves, to stop making an effort to encounter others and to do things together. And that really struck me, and he named several tragedies, including, you know, tragedies in Syria, in Yemen, long-running tragedies, humanitarian crises of a scale that the human mind really can't comprehend, and we're in danger of shutting down. And in fact, I'm writing in an upcoming column about this, that that tendency, I mean, I heard that in a country song the other day while I was shopping in the store, hey world, leave me alone. I get it, you know, but there's another part that we can't do that. And that speaks to a book that you wrote, Love and Care for the Marginalized. We can't look at that homeless person and say, I'm sorry, I just can't deal with you today. It's too much. I got my own problems. I'm not sure. Maybe you did something to get where you're at. We can't think like that. We can't be like that. So I would hope in this year that we would really listen to the message of Pope Francis. I hope they would buy your book and read it because those meditations are excellent to be able to kind of break down, you know, how do I love and care for people who are marginalized or people that maybe their problem is bigger than me, but I don't have to run away from them. That's the first thing. And kind of tied in with that is the second thing, which is the synod. We are in what's called the diocesan phase of the synod that Pope Francis is called, which is kind of, we're in a series of preparation for a synod that will take place in 2023. And what the bishops want to do under, you know, the uh, direction of Pope Francis is to kind of listen and, you know, where are we at with each other? The word synod literally means to journey together. Syn, like in synergy, S-Y-N, and horo, no, hod, I think horos, <laughs> by Greek is not that good, to, to journey. So we're journeying together. And in the coming months, and if you check it out on catholicphilly.com and on any other Catholic publications, you'll see what steps the church is taking to listen, to listen to people. What is the spirit saying through the faithful, the faithful who are in the pew and those maybe who aren't in the pew anymore? Where are we going? We are on a journey together, you know, as a church. And this process is the teaching moment. It's not just, we're here to get a bunch of data. We're doing this big survey. This is kind of like a family meeting, you know? So I think that's going to be exciting. We only have a few months. We have to have this kind of 
process at the diocesan level wrapped up by June so that it can take it, they can take it to the next level and then eventually to the Pope. So I would really encourage readers and listeners, if whatever your parish is doing to um, reach out to you for that, please participate, make your voice heard and be willing to help with that process. Mm, that's beautiful. Thanks for the heads up for all of us. I mean, especially those who live in the greater Philadelphia area and the Philadelphia area to know about this. Yeah, because I think uh, a lot of people go, oh, Senate, that's something the big guys do, right? Yeah. That's a bishop. <laughs> and it is, it really is. But Pope Francis is very much attuned. And if I can pull it up, um, I'm terrible at going between three different tabs on my uh, my um, computer, but there are three key words, communion, participation and mission. And you know, it's really easy to tune out on those words and to say, oh, well, you know, I don't understand or it's just very general sounding. But really um, the idea is to realize that those three words really do kind of govern the process of what we're doing as a church. You know, this isn't all about, and I think Americans are very susceptible to this. It's about me kind of getting my God fix, you know, my faith fix and I'm good, you know? And it's like, no, 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 you're not saved alone. We're all in this together. No, I, I completely agree with you is that we are part of community, worldwide community, really. Uh, and it goes right down to the level of that domestic church right inside your own home, to your church, to your diocese, your archdiocese, and beyond. So uh, all beautiful thoughts there. I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's just so good to know it in advance and pray about it and to know that it's coming. But, you know, we're all part of that being in mission for mercy, aren't we? And I know that that's part of what our Holy Father has also taught us so much about. And we need to continue with this. So I just am very grateful to you for being a guest on Journeys in Faith. And, you know, it's New Year's Eve. Uh, so we have so much to look forward to coming soon, very soon, right? Because this is being broadcasted at 830 on New Year's Eve. So, Gina, again, thank you so much for joining me on Journeys in Faith and all of us. Oh, my pleasure. And all the best to everyone watching and listening to this show and to you and to your team for the work that you do to spread the light of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ in this world. And look forward with hope because there is always hope. We serve the God who overcame death. It doesn't get any better. That's than right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So thank you all again. Happy New Year. And we'll see you next week on Journeys in Faith. God bless. Journeys of Faith is a production of Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about Journeys of Faith, email info at fiatministrynetwork.tv. And be sure to friend, follow, and like us on social media. Just search Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis.